Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Good afternoon. How, how is everyone? Thank you, sir. Hey, so I'm going to dive right into it and because um, last time we went over for the 1030 by 20 minutes. So that wasn't my fault, though. My sermon was short. It really was. Um, I'll blame it on the worship team. So, um, Hey, uh, as you guys saw, there's a, there's a video, and you've probably seen some posters that have been hanging up around um, about Revo Conference 2021. I just want to share a little bit about Revo Conference. Um, Revo Conference is an annual conference that takes place in Albany, New York, and um, Bishop Joe has been there the past two years, and hopefully, pending his travel schedule, he'll be able to be there this year as well. Uh, we're not sure. But it's a conference where, where the church, and by the church, um, the church gathers, and, and we just come and we worship Jesus. There's uh, some incredible speakers that are going to come and just, just pour into the, the body. So it is September 24th and 25th. Um, starts that Friday evening and goes all day Saturday. It's a flat rate of $35, which uh, I'll tell you now, uh, City Church is losing money because City Church is taking care of the, the bill. We are losing money on this, um, but we do it. We don't do it for money. And so that's, that's 35 bucks. You can't beat it. But what's cool about this is uh, this is the first year that it isn't just a city church thing, it's also a res church thing. And so I'm excited about that. And so Ruber and the whole team is going to be coming and they're going to be leading worship. <clears throat> Are y'all excited? Ruber's, I'm losing my voice, man. This is not good. Uh, Ruber's kind of excited. Gabe came last year and are you excited? He's excited, and so it'll, it'll be good. What I'm getting at is it's going to be good, and so September 24th, 25th, make plans to join us in Albany, and then hopefully in the future, we can bring it down to Brooklyn. Uh, we just need a bigger, bigger venue, and so that's what's going on with that, but yeah. Um, cool. All right, we are kicking off a brand new series today, uh, and it is, it is a very profound series title. You ready for this? Proverbs. That's our series title, so very, very creative, right? Uh, but during, this, during the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at the first eight chapters of the book of Proverbs and diving into that and what that means for us um, as a church body, but also how we take that wisdom that God ultimately wants to give to us and live that out uh, over um, the course of our life. And, and Proverbs is primarily written by King Solomon, who is the son of David, king of Israel, and he was known as one of the wisest, if not the wisest man that ever walked earth. Uh, God said, you can ask me anything and I will give it to you. And his response was, Lord, give me wisdom. Like, not riches, not fame, not power, give me wisdom. Now, with that being said, he had riches, fame, and power that came, but that was because 
of the wisdom and the insight that he had. Uh, he had so much wisdom that people, whenever they were put in certain situations, it would be get brought before King Solomon, and he would be able to uh, use the wisdom that God had given him to be able to solve certain issues. Uh, one of those was there are these two women, and you can read this in the Old Testament, and believe it's in Second uh, Samuel, but there, there are these two women who were fighting over who was the biological, the birth mother of this particular child. And so one woman was saying, it's mine. Another woman was saying, no, it's mine. And it was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then finally, King Solomon said, well, why don't we take the child and we cut it in half? We cut him in half and then you each can have a half. Now he did this because he knew the real mother would not want the child to, to lose its life over a dispute. And so one mother said, yes, that's a great idea. And then the other mother said, no, 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 no. She's the biological mother. And then King Solomon said, the one who's willing to save the life is the true mother. And then ended up giving the, the baby to the true mother. And so it's those kind of uh, clips of wisdom that you see King Solomon taking Israel that's in very difficult situations and been able to navigate through it all. And so the book of Proverbs is like God's Twitter account, and that's the best way to describe it, is the first eight chapters kind of lay a foundation, and then the rest are a bunch of tweets by God. Um, and, 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 you know, if you don't know anyone on Twitter, y'all are like... Do I raise my hand? I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to admit that. Like, if, if, if you were a journalist and I was like, is anyone on Twitter? All y'all's hands would have gone up, right? Um, I love Twitter. I think it's the best social media platform because it limits what you can say. And I think our world needs to be keep their mouth shut. Anyways, <laughs> that's the wisdom from God. All right, so listen. Wisdom, wisdom in the Hebraic language means chokmah. Chokmah, which literally means skilled living, skilled living. And I think it's important to understand that there is a difference between having knowledge and having that knowledge applied to your life. Uh, let me give you a few examples. Um, you can have a lot of knowledge about finances. You can read a lot of Dave Ramsey books. You can um, go to school and become a CPA, but it's just knowledge until you take it and you apply it to your personal finances. A lot of people know how to live the way Dave Ramsey talks about, 10, 10, 80. 10% to, towards giving, 10% towards saving, and then live off of 80%. A lot of people know how to do that, but not a lot of people actually put it into practice. The same thing is true with our lives. When it, with our lives, uh, whenever we're feeling sick, for instance, a lot of us will go on WebMD.com, we'll read all of these horrible stories about the cough that we might have or about, you know, we stubbed our toe and, and it won't heal up and, and we read all these horrible things. That's a lot of information from Pastor Google, right? Um, but it isn't wisdom until you go to the doctor and get the proper diagnosis of what's actually happening with your body. And, and so again, knowledge versus wisdom. Knowledge versus wisdom. Many of us know what to do. We don't put it into practice. We don't put it into practice in our life. And so bottom line is God's desire for all of us is that we learn his knowledge, but then that we also put it into practice, which will cause us to be skillfully living.
And so I'm going to dive right into it. Um, we're going to go pretty quick today, and I will get you guys out of here on time. And I mean that for real. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Yeah? All right, here we go. Proverbs 1, verse 1. The proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Basically, opening statement, here's who I am. To the wisdom and instruction, to words, I'm sorry, to wisdom and instruction, to understanding words of insight. To receive instructions is wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The words of the wise and their riddles. These first six verses is essentially an opening statement that King Solomon is saying about the rest of the entire book of Proverbs, the other 30 30 chapters um, plus the rest of this one. It's an opening statement. It is the purpose statement, and that is simply this. God desires for you and for me to have wisdom and understanding. And, and right information should lead to righteous living. Right information should lead to skillful living. And, and I want to use these three words that King Solomon uses just as an example and break these apart just a little bit. But he uses three, three particular words, I believe, that are very uh, uh, relevant to our situation here in the Western world today. He says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, verse 3, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Your translation may say equality. Righteousness, justice, and equity or equality. Now, I want you to think about this because those three words have been hot topic words in our society since about 2017. Since about 2017, we have had people that have been calling out for righteousness. We have been, had people that have been calling out for equality. And we have had people that have been calling out for justice to take place. And, and through all of this, let me just say this, I believe it's the church's job to invade those spaces and to get involved in the messiness that is out there in our world. But in order for us to go into it with a kingdom mindset, we have to have the right information and the right understanding of what it is that Jesus ultimately is desiring for us to see happen on this earth. And, and what's happened to a lot of us is that we've gotten so wrapped up, politically speaking, that we've lost the way of the kingdom of God. You see, laws have been passed that might go countercultural from Jesus' kingdom. And it's, it's like this in America, it's like this in Canada, it's like this in Mexico, it's like this in the Dominican Republic, which at this time tomorrow I will be sitting on the beach in the Dominican Republic, and I'm very excited about that. We're going on vacation. I just, I feel like I have to tell everyone, just, you know, here's what I mean by that, don't text me, all right? That's, that's what the wisdom is, don't text Mike, you know? Um, but, wow, anyways, but like, laws should not change the way that we as Christians live our lives in accordance with the Holy Scripture. Laws should not allow you to lose hope in the sovereignty of who God is. Laws should not change anything about our faith in the way that we live as Christians unless your hope rests in the American government. And if your hope rests in the American government, 
It's going to leave you broken and fractured and astray. And I'm so glad that we serve a king, a God, who knows what true righteousness is. I'm so glad that we serve a God who knows what true justice is. And I'm glad that we serve a God who is genuinely created all people, man and woman, in the image of God, equally important. And, And so the problem that we have in our world is that people will end up opening up the scripture right here and they'll read stuff and they want righteousness, they want kingdom righteousness, they want kingdom justice until they run, run across or stumble across something that goes against what they actually believe. And then what happens is we start to pick and choose what portions of scripture we wanna believe. And look, let's exclude the Old Testament for just a second. We pick and choose what portions of Jesus's teachings that we wanna believe. We like, oh, I like what Jesus said, you know? Blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted. I don't wanna love my enemy. And I'm definitely not going to pray for my enemy. I'm just going to fast forward that. Jesus, did you say that? No, no, you know, that must have been Peter that said it. You know, Peter was a, he wasn't the brightest character, right? <laughs> like, we pick and choose. Our president, not our current president, Thomas Jefferson did this. Thomas Jefferson, and he, it's literally known as the Jefferson Bible, ended up taking a holy Bible and he cut out portions that he liked and removed portions that he didn't like. And it's called the Jefferson Bible. And, and with that, that is where we start to take the lordship of the heavenly father, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and we start to insert our own earthly wisdom and understanding and we try to take God and we put him in this box to be able to be a little God that's going to satisfy us. And I've said this before, but I need to say it again. I would much rather serve a God who has been around for thousands upon thousands of years and his word that has been tried and true and tested and always proven to be correct than I would to serve a God that we end up seeing emerge in the past 20, 50, or even 200 years that's going to end up being some visitation of some holy angel and gave me this book right here. Whatever it may be, I would rather serve a God who's going to go against the grain and calls for me to challenge myself and bring conviction than to serve a God that always tells me exactly what I want. And, and it's so important, man. It's so important for us to see the world through the lens of the scripture, the world through the lens of Jesus Christ, the world through the lens of the gospel. And only then, with that knowledge and understanding of truth, can we start to see righteousness, justice, and equity executed on this earth through the church? And I believe it is the church's job and responsibility to do that. So verses two through six is this purpose statement. This is what it's about. And then verse seven. Verse seven is kind of the, the, the hinge point of the rest of the entire book of Proverbs. It is my bottom line for today is verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. 
is the beginning of wisdom, or beginning of knowledge and understanding. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Notice that right here, King Solomon, he's, he's saying person A is someone who fears the Lord. Person B is someone who's foolish and despises wisdom and instruction. And, and so person, person A, the fear of the Lord, I want to talk about that for just a moment because in both Hebrew and Aramaic, it's broken into two particular definitions. One is the fear of, as in being scared of someone or something, and then two, fear as in reverence and awe, okay? And so uh, if think about this. Have you ever been driving, for those that drive, and, and this happens to me all the time, and you're driving, and the speed limit's, you know, we'll say 45, and you're going 51, 52, and then a state trooper pulls behind you, right? Or, or you know, NYPD, which they never pull people over. They just send you tickets with their cameras anyway. So, um, but, like, like, let's just say a state trooper pulls behind you, right? And what do you do? Your heart starts... Like me, I'm like, Christy, you better start speaking in tongues because I think we're about to get pulled over. Like, I kid you not, we were going 85 down the throughway the other day. This is me. I'm confessing my sins to you. I was going 85 and I passed a stady and I was like, honey, are the kids buckled up? Like, we're, okay, we're good. All right. Untie my bow tie. I should have bought a Honda, right? Like I sat there, I'm started, you know, I didn't really do that. But I literally was like, we might be getting pulled over right now because I just went 85 and a 65. We did not get pulled over because of probably the grace of God, right? I'll give him glory and honor and praise with that. But a cop gets behind you and you're speeding and what happens? You don't hit the brake because if you hit the brake, they're going to know that you slowed down. Even though they can clock your speed from your car, you're not going to hit that brake. So what do you do? You gently let off the gas until you're going, you know, speed limit's 45, and you're going 51, 49, 48, 46, 45, 44, cruise. And then you hit on cruise control, and it's like, all right, now I'm good. Why do we get fearful of that? I mean, the person in the other car is just another person. But the reason we get fearful is because of the authority that he or she has to write a ticket for us to pay New York State. And we don't want to pay that ticket or have points taken away from our six points license thing, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. It's the only state I know of that does the point system. I'm also from Texas, and so, um, which has crazy laws too. But I, also, I think about that. That's the t- kind of I'm scared of of the authority of God that should cause a holy fear inside of us. It's the same reason why if you were on trial and you went before a judge, right, there would be an honor and a respect and a fear that you have because that judge can hand down a sentencing one way or another. That's the fear that we're talking about right here. The second fear that we're talking about is a standing in awe of, and I want you to just think about this, the God who dwells inside of you through the power of his Holy Spirit is the same God who created the stars and the heavens and the birds and the waves of the ocean and all of the cells in your body. That exact same God is living and dwelling in you. And yes, we should stand in awe of that. Because because God is dwelling inside of me, is living inside of me. 
and, and so forth. This, this, this goes on. Here's, here's kind of what I'm getting at. This kind of fear from the Lord should cause us to live and practice the wisdom of the Lord that will ultimately lead to righteousness in the Lord. Living a righteous lifestyle. The fear of the Lord leads to wisdom of the Lord that leads to righteousness. Fear of the Lord that leads to wisdom that leads to righteousness. If you get nothing else, this is it. The fear of the Lord should produce wisdom, which produces righteousness, which ultimately will end up advancing the kingdom of God. So you got person A, someone who fears, reveres, and all of the Lord. And then person B, someone who is foolish and practices foolishness. Jump into verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And, and this essentially, and listen, if you've been around for a little while, you'll, you'll understand. And so for us that are 30 and under, um, you'll understand, you won't understand this because you're 30 and under. But those that are 30 and up that have got some miles behind them, um, they'll be able to tell you. There's a lot that you can learn from your elders that if you would just listen to it, then you would not experience it in your life. And a lot of times we have a generation that's grown up that thinks that they can do it all on their own whenever we have a wealth of knowledge from the older generation, a wealth of wisdom that we need to tap into. And essentially what Solomon's saying here is like elders pour into the younger people. Younger people open up your ears and listen to your elders. Talking about spiritual parents right here. But then in verse 10, he addresses this second person, this foolish person. And I want you to listen to the words that he's saying. And um, you guys can, someone can come up and start playing at this point. He says, for my, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us and let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Do, do you hear the graphic detail of that? Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, and we will have one purse. My son... Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Do you see this tension that he's saying? The fear of the Lord, righteousness, holiness, wisdom, the foolishness, one who doesn't listen to the ways of the Lord, one who doesn't follow the teachings of Jesus, one who, according to Jesus, builds his house upon the sand, right? That's the foolish person. Here's how you can know if someone is a fool or not. Are they leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are they pulling you away from a relationship with Jesus Christ? You show me your friends now and I'll show you where you're going to be five years from now. 
You show me your friends, and are they edifying you and lifting you up and saying, hey, let's get into the word of God. Let's pray together. Let's, let's, you know, how can I help you? How can I pray with you? What can I do for you? Man, I believe God has got a gift for you. I believe God. Or are they sitting there saying, hey, bro, let's go, let's go do some drugs. Let's go get wasted together. Dude, you see that movie? Yo, whatever, you know, what other words I can use. It was dope, man, that girl. And she was just like, oh, and meanwhile, you're inside. You're having this battle inside. And you're saying, man, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but it kind of, does it feel good? I don't know if it feels good. And, and meanwhile, the Holy Spirit's sitting there saying, hey, bro, hey, bro, you want a bro? I want to be your bro. Why don't you come over here? I want to lead you into God. I want to lead you into righteousness. I want to lead you into purity. I want to lead you into holiness. I mean, it literally is the tale of the angel and the demon. You guys have seen the cartoon, right? Tom and Jerry. What are you going to do? What are you going to, are you going to choose someone around you who's going to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus or are you going to choose someone around you who's going to entice you with sin, who's going to degrade the morals of Jesus Christ, who's going to stand for injustice. I mean, you think about our culture and our world right now that we live in. It is the most polar, divided world that at least my mom has ever seen. My mom is 74, 75 years old. She said, Michael, I've never seen the world as divided as it is. You want to know why? Because we forgot where knowledge and understanding come from. We forgot where wisdom comes from. We forgot where righteousness comes from. He, he continues on in verse 16. I'm wrapping up, I promise. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie and wait for their own blood. They set ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy and unjust for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Verse 20 and 21, and then this is it. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she cries out. Wisdom. Wisdom from God is crying out for our world to recognize it and to see it, and to understand it right now. The wisdom from God is crying out. But it starts, and we're going to pick back up on this next week, it starts from a place of having a proper perspective of the fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord, of his authority, of his awe, of his wonder, who he is. I, I just want to do an exercise as I close out. If you would, just close your eyes. And I want you to just think about a starry night 
and the galaxies up there, the stars that are flashing. I want you to think about a cool breeze after a warm summer day that's just blowing. For all of you mothers and fathers in here, I want you to think about the first time that your child let out a cry in the delivery room and how in the middle of all chaos, joy entered into this world. I want you to think about being on the subway and getting off on the city streets and how there's sirens in the background and people bumping music and cars passing by and horns honking and how in the middle of a complete chaotic city you can just put in your earbuds and in a minute get connected through worship to our Heavenly Father. I want you to think about the baby's first breath and someone's final breath. And in the middle of complete chaos, in the middle of the hustle and bustle of our world, you have a heavenly father who is standing sovereign above all things. He's inviting you and he's inviting me into a relationship with him because of his mercy, because of his love. Final story. In Chronicles of Narnia, Susan asked Mr. Beaver about Aslan. She heard Aslan was a lion. And of course, being human, she was probably terrified of a talking lion. I would be too. But she asked Mr. Beaver, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver kind of chuckles and starts laughing. It's like, safe? What, what, what made you think that? Why would you have thought that? Of course he's not safe. But he's good, and he's kind, and he's our king. Our God is not safe. Our God speaks, and mountains can melt like wax before him. But he's good, he's kind, and he is our king. Fear of the Lord should produce wisdom of the Lord that should produce righteousness unto the Lord. Let's stand. Father, I just thank you for an opportunity to be able to ascribe to you the glory that is due to your name, to be able to worship you. And God, I just ask as we close out this song that you would just speak to us, that we would leave here with our perception and our focus being on you, Jesus. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc.